0: We came here to say that, you don't really want it with us, yeah, we love you know, we came here to say that, you don't really want it with us, yeah. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of the Your Sports Show. I am your host, Big Baby, aka the soul of RB. This is much better this week, right?
1: No, gotta that be, was much better. Much better. that be much better.
0: better this week. Okay. To my right, I have the voice of a generation, Pete Rosado.
1: Yo, I love I love the spot. Like, you know, we have all four of us here, and the whole crew is here. You know, I'm always down, down at the bottom left, the bottom right. It's really cool to be up here. You know, I I, I feel the rarefied air.
0: (laughs) Just to be on on the side of the host. I feel you. Yes, it's it's special.
1: Well, so
0: welcome welcome to uh, the right-hand man of, you know, the (laughs) year's sports show. Um, The Queen, Queen Tay and, and, and BK Matter on load management tonight. They'll be back next week. How's your week, sir?
1: It was a good week. You know, we're winding down. You know, I had one quick, uh, one small bump in the road. There could have been a major bump in the road. I actually sprained, uh, badly sprained my right thumb earlier this week. So I was in like a whole like ice pack and hand wrapped. The, the The palm, right here, the palm of my hand was like swollen out to like here. It was like that swollen uh, during the week. Uh, playing basketball with my eighth graders, you know, sometimes they, uh, <laughs> they forget that I could actually play. So you get my eighth graders who want to kind of be like fancy with it. And then I play defense on them. And then they're like, you know, they think, oh, okay, I can do this and I can do that. And they can't. But uh, one of my eighth graders threw a pass and I was right on him and he threw a pass and my hand shot out to intercept the pass and it caught the edge of my hand and my thumb and popped it back. Uh, and had a grade two sprain on my thumb. Thankfully no tears, no breaks, but uh it hurt like it hurt like a MF. That much it did.
0: I bet it did. I bet it did. I remember I was playing one time and uh I went to intercept the pass and the ball like, popped my finger out of the socket and I had to pop it back in and keep playing. And then I never went to the hospital for it. I just I was like, yo, I need to get a um, you know. What's the thing? A splint. So I got a splint and wrapped it up, and I self-healed my finger, which may bother me, you know, in the future when I'm older. But, you know, as of now, I'm good all the more.
1: When I tell you for, like, two days, every time I bent my thumb like this, the knuckle, like, audibly popped. Oh, my God. Every time I bent my thumb, the knuckle audibly popped for, like, two days. It was – but I'm no punk. I finished the game. I went right back into the game after after i pulled the whole lebron though i literally it happened it happened i grabbed my hand and ran to the corner of the gym Uh because i literally had to use every fiber of my being not to Uh yell the f word in a gym full of students that's how much it hurt uh but i like i just waved it off and i got back in the game and that was it
0: oh man savage god this is the year sports show if you've never been here New York City based sports show. It's usually four of us, it's only two of us, but welcome. If you want to talk crazy in the comments, go ahead and talk crazy in the comments. I, I will remove you. So let's get right into quick hits. We've got a lot of craziness to get into t- today, all uh, right into today's episode, but let's start out with quick hits right now.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we are, your quick hits for the week of June the 20th, and let's start with the Phoenix Suns getting some really good news before their Game 7 victory earlier today, which we'll get into later in today's show, but the Phoenix General Manager, James Jones, was named Executive of the Year. Beating out Jazz Vice President of Basketball Operations, Dennis Lindsay, and Nets General Manager, Sean Marks. This announcement coming moments before the Suns played in their first game of the Western Conference Finals in 10 years, and then they won that game, 120-114, to with CP3 out and Kawhi Leonard out on the Clippers' side. The Suns up 1-0. Bad news, though, for the Nets, even after losing a huge Game 7 last night. Still Milwaukee, 115-111, but the Nets finding out some even more bad news today as they find out that guard Spencer Dinwiddie will be declining his $12.3 million player option and will become an unrestricted free agent in the offseason. He played only three games this year after an ACL injury in his right knee, and uh, the one thing that the Nets really needed that led to that Game 7 loss is a bench and losing Spencer Dinwiddie can be a huge blow to an already a very ragged bench for the Brooklyn Nets. Moving to baseball, Angels pitcher-designated hitter Shohei Ohtani First player in baseball to declare for this year's Home Run Derby. Hits his 20th and 21st home runs this past weekend. Uh, dual pitcher, DH threat. It'll be very interesting to see Otani in the Home Run Derby this year. Moving to the NFL. Interesting news coming out of Chicago this week. As Justin Fields is buying into the head coach Matt Nagy's quarterback plans. According to Quarter uh, Coach Matt Nagy, Barring an injury or something else unforeseen, veteran Andy Dalton will open the season as the Chicago Bears starting quarterback. (laughs) The depth chart is Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, Nick Foles, number three. A word from Justin Fields says, quote, if I don't believe in it, it's not going to work out. My job is strictly to get better and be the best quarterback I can be and hope my team wins. That's what I'm going to do, whether it's starting, whether it's sitting, I'm going to do whatever is going to help us win. Interesting coming out of Chicago considering the public pressure for Justin Fields, the 11th pick in this year's draft, to play immediately. And moving to the Stanley Cup playoffs tonight, the Vegas Golden Knights looked at even their series in the West at two apiece as they play game four against Montreal, who's up two to one. And last night, the New York Islanders in an incredible game Tied the series against the Tampa Bay Lightning 2 2 with a huge 3 2 victory after what have been probably the best defensive play of the playoffs by Ryan Pollock as he saved an open net score by Tampa Bay defenseman Ryan McDonough, holding the 3 2 victory for the Islanders. Game 6 up, uh, Game 5 upcoming soon. It's going to be interesting. They're going back to Tampa Bay. Uh, The Islanders looking to go to the Stanley cup finals this year in their final year at the nassau coliseum and that ladies and gentlemen is your quick hits for june the 20th
0: thank you pete for a quick hits. that was dope how do you feel about the bears i know you know <laughs> that's your favorite team so <laughs> i
1: mean listen um i i am a fan of the old school idea of letting the rookie kind of learn not every rookie is ready to start day one mm-hmm. um I think even some of the great quarterbacks that we've seen as rookies weren't re- that started uh, first first season weren't necessarily always ready. Even right. Patrick Mahomes, who's considered to be the great one right now or the upcoming great one right now, didn't start until near the end of his rookie season right. in Kansas City. Um, so I am a fan of the rookie quarterback sitting and learning. Uh, a lot of people don't remember those days. Aaron Rodgers sat out a whole season. Eli Manning didn't start till midway through his first year. So, you know, it's it's okay if a quarterback isn't ready. The NFL is much different from college. Right. And while some rookie quarterbacks may have success mm-hmm. starting season one, game one, it's not guaranteed. And I'd rather a quarterback have that, that chance to kind of grow in the system. So, I mean, I'm not against it. But, again, if Justin Fields goes and shows out in training camp Mm -hmm. and the preseason – I mean, we're not really going to have a preseason, but if he goes and shows out in training camp, I don't know, unless Andy Dalton has a complete resurgence and turns back the clock 10 years. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you can make the case to continue starting Andy Dalton over Justin Fields if Justin Fields does show out.
0: Absolutely. I I agree. I think that – it's only a matter of time till Justin Fields gets on the field. I, No pun intended, but I think that uh, Andy Dalton starting off the season and still having Nick Foles as, you know, your third string, potentially still there, you know, it gives the rookie kind of some, you know, some some leeway there, some pillow room to kind of just like, if you mess up, all right, you still got some learning to do from two pretty – Solid quarterbacks, one a Super Bowl-winning quarterback at that.
1: Right, so. and that pressure, like imagine that pressure. First, you're the 11th pick overall in the draft. So there's already a lot of pressure on you being a top quarterback pick in the first round. Um, and then if you go out there, the fans can turn on you in an instant. You lose two, three, four games. Even if they're close competitive games, the fans can turn on you all of a sudden, no matter how good you're doing. At the end of the day, it's a black-and-white league. It's wins or losses. And if you can go out there, even if you're going out there and being competitive, but you're losing games, those Chicago fans can be really fickle, and they will turn on Justin Fields in a heartbeat. And I guess that's something that they're trying to avoid. You're on mute, Dre.
0: Oh, sorry, absolutely. Let's see how that turns out in Chicago. <laughs> I would be forgetting sometimes, I think we all do, but... <laughs> Remember the days where we just keep our mics on and we hear everything in the back?
1: <laughs> everything going on. Like, everything going on know? in the back.
0: Oh man. All right. Let's get into today's topics. This is the playoff edition of today's topics. Let's get into it. I
1: feel, I
0: feel Before we get into it, um Quest was like so do you want Phil to go up against the Rams and Aaron down a week one? Absolutely not. No. Please God, no. no. No, 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 no. That is not a welcome to the NFL moment anybody wants I mean, I don't to I do. I don't think
1: Andy Dalton wants to go up against that defense in week one either. Right,
0: right. Nick Foles is probably the same way. Nah, I'm, I'm all right. This is not how I want to start my season. But let's get into it. The Brooklyn Nets. The favorite to win the NBA championship, Pete, your Brooklyn Nets. Again, I I am not going to act like I am not a fan of them because I am. But, you know, you've been a Nets fan for a long time. This is the furthest the Nets have gone in a little while. Um, they lost to the Milwaukee Bucks, who are notoriously bad in the playoffs and closing out series. Uh, KD had 48. Giannis had 40. Chris Middleton ended the game in overtime with a turnaround mid-range shot. If you are the Brooklyn Nets looking, you know, being objective, right? Say you're outside looking in. Who do you point the finger at first?
1: I point the finger at where I've always pointed the finger at. And yes, they are my Brooklyn Nets and I am a fan of them. And I said that I picked them to beat Milwaukee and I... Pick them to go to the NBA finals. I didn't. I'm not going to back away from that. But on this very show, multiple mm-hmm. times, I've also stated exactly what I'm about to state right now. Mm-hmm. I put the blame on the Nets bench, right? You cannot win or expect to win a game seven when you are only three deep on the bench. Jeff Green, Landry Shamit, and Nicholas Claxton were the only three players to come off the bench for the Nets last night. Um, and they might have had a couple of others, but those were the only ones that played any kind of uh, substantial minutes. Jeff Green played 13 minutes. Landry Shamet played seven minutes. When Bruce Brown is playing 52 minutes, mm-hmm. okay, that's a problem. Joe Harris scored 10 points in mm-hmm. 47 minutes. That's a problem. Right. So it's the ancillary players, the auxiliary players for the Nets. We said – I said – this was going to be a problem when they traded for Harden. They were depleting their bench. They were getting rid of really good players. Um, and granted, Claris LeVert not on James Harden level, and LeVert was out for a while this season with an injury himself that right. he probably wouldn't have found out had he not gotten traded. I'm not going to sit here and say that Jared Allen is on the level of a, of a James Harden. But you had the depth of that bench, and you could easily go four, five, six players deep. You couldn't do that, and when you are going into an overtime game where Durant is having to play 53 minutes and score 48 points, the next highest score on the team was James Harden with 22, and by God, Harden almost had a triple-double, but it was not enough for the more balanced attack of Milwaukee, and Milwaukee did not play a great game. Milwaukee very easily could have lost that game, but at the end of the day, the blame goes to the bench, of of the Nets, and as I said in quick hits, right? Spencer Dinwiddie opting out, mm-hmm. you know, going to become an unrestricted free agent. How are you going to rebuild that bench around them? Because Harden, Kyrie, and 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 Durant need a team around them. You're not just going to be able to do it with the three of them. Even listen, even with the best big threes we've had in basketball, right? The big three in Boston when it was Garnett, Allen, and Paul. When And then Rondo became the unknown fourth that ended up be, making the whole thing work, right? The big yeah. three in Miami with Bosh. And, and I point really to them. The Miami big three never really were successful until they really started to get that bench around them with Ray Allen and Chris Anderson I mean, and all those other players.
0: You also think about it, too. Like, we, we talked about the Spurs, too, with, with you know, with...
1: Harper, Lee, and Mobley, Dino Lee, Dino Lee, and, Duncan, and
0: because, Duncan, because the Spurs always had probably a top five bench in basketball. Almost right. Always. I mean, Kawhi
1: Leonard came off of that bench from a no one on that bench to be one, one of the stars of the NBA. Right. Um, and and that's the thing. They need a bench. You need to be able to go. You need to be able to give your star players time off. Durant shouldn't have had to play. I get it. You're the number one guy. You have to do it but he shouldn't have had to play 53 minutes and score 48 points and still lose.
0: You know what's funny? This is the first game, one of the first games I've seen where both benches scored in, in single digits and one bench didn't score at all. Right. The the Bucks bench scored nine. That was Connaughton, all from Connaughton, and then the Brooklyn Nets bench had zero. I've never seen that before, first of all.
1: It, it, it's tough to see, and, and that's the thing. I mean, they don't have the players. That you, Landry Shamit, and everyone was talking to about Landry Shamit, Landry Shamit, Landry Shamit, Landry Shamit. <laughs> played seven minutes and had one rebound. That was it. Three players played for the Nets. Okay? DeAndre Jordan didn't get off the bench. Mike James didn't get off the bench. Johnson didn't get off the bench. Uh, Luau Cabarro didn't get off the bench. Right. But then again, you only had three players off the bench for for the Bucks. But what happened? Brooke Lopez stepped up when he needed to step up. PJ Tucker, as terrible as he's been all all series, stepped up when he needed to step up. The Nets players that needed to step up, the Joe Harrises, you know, who shot three for ten in this game, had probably one of the worst shooting series I've seen for a long time, did not step up. You know, you got, you know, Blake did what he could, but, you know, Blake's not going to win the game for you. He went 17 and 11, but Blake's not going to do it. Jeff Green didn't step up, only played 13 minutes. So there's a a lot of questions about the ancillary pieces around those three big stars. And with them chewing up as much of the salary as they're chewing up, the question's going to become, who can you get? They're going to have to play the same card that LeBron did in Miami. And LeBron has done in L.A. Are you willing to take less money to play for this team and run for a chip? And if they're able to convince enough players, Mm -hmm. serviceable good players to do that, then they might have a shot next year to run through uh, the East. Because I think there's no team in the East right now, currently constructed, that if James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant are 100% healthy, for an entire season, are going to be able to stop the Brooklyn Nets. But again, if you're going to run them ragged through the whole season, they're not going to be there in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. But um, to, to Matt's point, so if and and I'm I'm going to speak for Matt right here, you know, a lot of people blame James Harden because you know James Harden is notorious for not. Stepping up in the playoffs, James Harden almost had a triple double. He shot five for seventeen, at nine points. I mean, nine assists, nine rebounds. On a on a level of a grade two hamstring, um, right, right, yeah, pulled hamstring. He did everything he could do, right. But as Matt would say, Matt said, a lot of it would go to Joe Harris, and the reason why I'm saying Joe Harris. And uh, I'm probably agreeing with you. And towards towards the bench wise, is that Joe Harris was top two, three, three point shooter this year in the league. Yep. Him, him and Seth Curry are, are are one and two, if I'm not mistaken. And then you've kind of disappeared in the playoffs for the most part. You had a pretty decent series the first round, but this round against the Bucks and A lot of your shots were open because KD and Harden take a lot of the pressure off everybody. You were missing,
1: and a big difference was that three point shooting. The Bucks shot forty two percent from three in Game Seven. mm -hmm. The Nets shot thirty one percent.
0: Vince
1: Carter is an expert, and that that was that was the big difference in that Game Seven was the the three point percentage because everything else was semi close. I mean, the Nets beat them at the free throw line, and they were almost tied in field goal percentage. But that three point percentage for the Nets killed him.
0: Like, if I, if, if you ever, if you told me that Kevin Durant will average 32 points in the series, Giannis will average 28, and the Brooklyn Nets will lose the series, I'd look at you like, what? But that's exactly what happened. Now, Giannis, we're not getting off Giannis' back because Giannis is still a bum. But, (laughs) Um, a lot of people – what a lot of people are saying, Chris Middleton was pretty much the star and the savior of this series.
1: And he shot nine for 26. Yeah. He, shot, he had more shots than, than Giannis. Giannis shot 15 for 24. Middleton shot nine for 26. Drew Holiday, five for 23, you know.
0: But that's the thing about today's basketball. You're going to see those – super inflated numbers where people are three people will take 20 shots, especially if you're not using your bench. If you're like the bench had nine points and it only came from one person. That nine points came from one person. Yep. Um. Now we would be remiss if we don't mention that KD, the last three games pulled it together and, and kept the nets relevant in these games. He also hit the game-tying shot to put them in overtime. But you can see his legs got kind of like he lost a lot of his legs at the end of the game where a play where he should have absolutely, and I think KD would have gotten called if KD would have went to the rack. But he was tired, and you can see it, the way he took the shot, the way he took that shot, because he wasn't going to make that same shot twice. Right. I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have put money he made that same shot twice. And credit to Drew Holiday for being on KD's hip so that it didn't happen. But does KD not exactly finish – does KD not finishing in the game say anything about KD? Or is this more of the team didn't step up and – It's time to, you know, it's time to retool.
1: No, I put a lot of it on the team. KD did what he could. I mean, KD, I mean, granted, shot 17 for 36 and four for 11 from three. Mm -hmm. But the man scored 48 points and had nine rebounds, six assists. I mean, you can't ask for that much better of a stat line out of a player. Um, Harden, you can say what you want, but we don't know how bad that hamstring was. And if he was basically Mm -hmm. playing on one leg, played 53 minutes, shot five for 17, really it was 2 for 12 from three point range right yeah. so you take away james three pointers he was 3 for 5 from the field right mm. and and to me that's another thing i mean was he taking threes because he couldn't drive right so how and, and so if people want to say yo I, I put it on harden for all we know the reason why harden took 12 th- 12 threes is because he couldn't drive we don't, we don't know the extent of his injury, and I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm any kind of you know, physical therapist or, or athletic trainer and know what the guy was going through. Right. Um, but I do put it on the rest of the team. Joe Harris shot three for 10, and he was three for nine from three-point land. The man shot 0 for 1 from inside the three-point line, and this is something that I bring up a lot. Listen, I get it. This is the NBA now where everybody shoots a three, but can nobody shoot? At all, anywhere else on the
0: court? Well, the problem is, like I've always said, I'm, I'm big on stats, but I'm also big on the eye taps and um, analytics killed the game. Advanced stats killed the game because nerds who've never played ball before are telling these teams, "Hey, shoot threes and get dunks. That's it. Don't shoot any mid ranges." Even if they're giving it to you, shoot threes because threes are worth more and dunks are easier to get. So that is a problem. And most players, if you look at percentages, there are a lot more players who shoot better from three than they do from from like total shot percentage.
1: Yeah. yeah. But Katie and the funny thing, that I remember when Katie got drafted to the then Seattle Supersonics. Yes. The man's entire legacy was Oh my god, he plays like an old school small forward. He's pulling up from mid-range. He's pulling up from the elbow. He's doing this, he's doing that. And nobody could block him because when he the minute he got his arms up, he's taller than anybody in the NBA at that point. You know, for that that shot extension, you know, and it's just like, come on, you got you got to be able and I've seen a lot of you just said it. I've seen a lot of open mid-range jumpers and guys are passing out. Yeah. People are just like, nah. And I, don't, and I don't care what analytics say, you know, me and you play this sport, Dre. Right. Um, and both of us know you're going to get more pressure on your opponent if you're scoring. I don't care if it's two or three at a time, but the more you score, and the more consistently you're making baskets, mm-hmm. the more the other team's going to feel like we got to press. We got to get a basket. We got to score. We got to score. So, yes. I'd rather sit there, yo, make five straight. Because with the way the three point percentages go, you're going to get a lot of fast rebounds. You can get a lot of stuff set up your offense. And I honestly, I, I will go out on a limb and say a team that takes advantage of the mid range jumper in today's NBA will win a championship.
0: Well, we, we talk about that. And along
1: with the threes, like, yes. keep what you do. But start reincorporating that mid-range jumper, mm-hmm. I guarantee you that team wins the championship.
0: Right. So when I first wrote out the um the the you know the, the stuff for the show, we were gonna talk about the Clippers beating Dallas. But the Clippers just played tonight against um Phoenix. And we we kinda knew what the outcome was gonna be in the way in a way because You know, Chris Paul is sitting, Kawhi is sitting. But if you got to put Paul George versus Devin Booker, I think we're going to take Devin Booker 100% of the time over Paul George. And that's and Devin Booker proved us right. Devin Booker had 40 points, 13 rebounds, and 11 assists. Absolutely incredible. And he's been the star he's been the star of the playoffs and and i don't think it's talked about enough
1: and I, played- I do want to give a little bit of credit i don't i, I don't want to mm-hmm. give a, a little bit of credit first off i want to admit again i took an l i picked the jazz i picked the jazz to beat the clippers
0: right i did as well
1: uh, and i don't and i don't shy away from my predictions i thought it would happen and it didn't and uh-huh. the jazz collapsed right uh yes. all credit to ty lu and his coaching he figured out a way to neutralize Rudy Gobert and neutralize the weapons that the Jazz did have mm-hmm. and got the Clippers through uh, without Kawhi Leonard. Because uh, a lot of us thought that the minute that they lost Kawhi Leonard, that was it. Yep. Um, but I do want to give also a lot of credit to Terrence Mann, who showed out in that Game 7 against Utah. You know, Terrence Mann really did show out and, and get that team to to the Western Conference Finals, but – I also want to say this is the ability. This is what you get when you have rest. The Phoenix Suns were able to rest a little bit and get their legs under them. And I think that's also going to help CP3 as well. Um, and Devin Booker was able to get some rest. And you saw what happened. I, I thought today's game was a little closer than I thought it would be, to be very honest with you. Yes. But, you know, I, I got Phoenix winning this series. I think if – If CP3 comes back and Kawhi doesn't, I think this goes at most six games, at most, if Kawhi does not come back.
0: I think the same thing. I uh, was talking to somebody with it today, and six games seems like about it. The the Suns are not going to sweep the Clippers, um, regardless of if um, Kawhi plays or not. Regardless of if Chris Paul comes back or not. So we have to give the Clippers credit because the Clippers are still a very deep team.
1: Man reverted back to what he did. He played 27 minutes, shot three for four. Right. right. So you didn't get the same right. Terrence man that you got in game seven.
0: Right. And but credit to Paul George because Paul George continued to, you know, try to shake off the haters, and to be honest, this is kind of the matchup I wanted to see because of earlier in the season, Devin Booker calling Paul George soft. Basically, most of the Phoenix Suns calling Paul George soft, and that whole little scuffle from earlier in the season. Right. So I think Paul George, even though the Clippers will possibly lose this series, Paul George has to show out every game. He has no choice.
1: Now, you know who I want to give a lot of credit to, though, Dre, because we, I you know, we always talk about this in the NBA, and you and I have talked about this before. This is the story about I how quickly those. people when get forgotten see? in the NBA.
0: Yo, you're gonna turn your ads off?
1: <laughs> I can't, I can't. <laughs> that. I, was looking, I was looking up something on ESPN real quick to just make sure that I had the right numbers, right? But I want to give a lot of credit to, I think, the forgotten man in, in Phoenix, and that's DeAndre Ayton. You know, and, we, and we, how quickly we forget DeAndre Ayton was a number one pick. Little David Robinson
0: going to work. You know,
1: and DeAndre went 10 for 14. And that's what I think I like about the Phoenix Suns is that they are very efficient in the way that they shoot the basketball. Yeah, Devin Booker sometimes takes a lot of shots, and Devin Booker's going to be the volume shooter. But for the rest of the team, they are quite efficient in the way they shoot the ball. And, again, you see that out of DeAndre Ayton going 10 for 14 in game one of the Western Conference Finals. Uh, and again, they're doing this without Chris Paul, right? You're doing this without Chris Paul. Um, and that to me is a big thing. You're able to beat a team uh, of the, the with the strength of the Los Angeles Clippers without a Chris Paul playing is a very, very uh, telling thing. So I see, like I said, I, I think if Paul comes back, I could see this ending in five. Uh, if, if Kawhi comes back as well, and a lot of the news with Kawhi is trending towards he's out for the season. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, but obviously the Clippers have not made that official yet. Because yeah. I think they're still trying to play the long game of like, well, let's make him think that he still can come back kind of thing.
0: No, just just the, the reason why they're doing that is for team kind of morale. That's what it seems like they're doing. If you're going to be like, oh, he may come back. He may come back. Let's just play hard in case he does. And then he doesn't. The team is just going to be like, oh, man, we're never going to win this. And actually, Rally, if you just get out the way, hey, bro's not coming back. Right? So y'all need to, y'all either going to get this done or you're not. Because at the end of the day, if you look at the NBA finals that we're about to have, right, we have a conference finals with the Clippers and the Suns. And quite possibly the hawks <laughs> versus the Bucks.
1: Yo, the Hawks beat Philly. I wanna
0: go I want to go into that now because right now the Hawks as we're speaking as we're doing this podcast.
1: Up five.
0: They're, yeah they're up five. Uh, yep 76 69 right as of now Trey Young hasn't really, huh? What happened?
1: Up seven now.
0: Yeah. Trey Young hasn't really gone off, but it's been everybody on the Hawks. And I would be the first one to say, I kind of like, oh, the Hawks, because I thought the Knicks were going to blow away the Hawks, and then the Knicks did what they did. I'm like, oh, Philly got this, and B got injured. Okay, they still got this. And now we're out of game seven with Trey Young. Even though he's not shooting the best, no shots, he's shooting the lid off of it. Now, what does this say? Is this more the Hawks are better than we thought? Or is this more the, the um, Sixers are worse than what we thought?
1: Um, I think it's neither of those points. I think it's something that I think no one is bringing up. And we spoke about it on this show. Dre, way back when, when I was first um, becoming a part of this of this show, we were talking about the NBA offseason, and we were talking about after the bubble, how the Hawks were retooling, and the way the Hawks were approaching free agency. They signed Gallinari, they signed Bogdanovich, they signed Herder, they signed all these players, and we're like, where the heck are all these players gonna play? There's not enough spots on the floor. For all of these players, we couldn't understand what in the world Atlanta was doing. And now it's coming to light what Atlanta was doing. Atlanta understood we're going to put as many people who can score the basketball on this team. So it doesn't matter if they're the first guy, the third guy, the seventh guy, or the ninth guy, they're going to be able to score baskets because we want as much offense from as many places as possible. And you're seeing this. Trey Young can't shoot today. I believe at one point I was listening to the game earlier, he made his mm-hmm. first shot after, like, in his 10th attempt. Right?
0: Yeah, because if you look at the, I'm looking at the line. Capella has 11. Trey Young has 11. Collins has 14. Herder has 19. Bogdanovich, who's yet to erupt, has four. Gallo has 10. Um, Lou has six.
1: Right. And so you've got Lou Williams can score the basketball. Herder can score all of these different scores Mm -hmm. and we we didn't understand what the Hawks were doing. We thought there's no way this works. you got like seven shooting guards. You can only have at most three guards on the floor at one time, even if you go with a small lineup. Right. And they're just like, you know what? No one's understanding what we're doing. And it's really showing now they understood, you know what? There's going to be nights where this person's not going to be able to score and Mm -hmm. that person's not going to be able to score. But you know what? We got to stretch that defense. We have to have three, four, five legitimate scoring options on the floor. In a way, because it's been so long since we've seen it, they're reminding me of old school NBA teams where you had to guard everybody. Yeah, you're actually not wrong about that. Because you can't let up on anybody, you know, because everybody can score the basketball.
0: Yeah.
1: And Atlanta may just make the Eastern Conference Finals, defeating the Knicks and the overall, what, number one seed in Philly.
0: Right. They will be- and, and
1: go to the Eastern Conference Finals. And I'm going to tell you something. If I'm Milwaukee, I'm not exactly going to be thinking this is going to be a cakewalk.
0: No, it shouldn't be. It's definitely not because you, you look at it, they beat. The two best, def- two of the top five in defensive, yeah, defensive efficiency teams. Like the the Philadelphia 76ers were the best team guarding the three pointer, the Knicks were the best at guarding the rim. Now, um, Atlanta took advantage of both of that on, on both teams. So now you have Milwaukee, who a very long and athletic team, but they're also in the defensive conversation as one of the best defensive teams, but the difference is, if they play each other, the Hawks will outshoot um, Milwaukee by a lot. But on the flip side, if Philly plays Milwaukee, that's going to be more of a grinding out game to where it's going to go like by a couple threes. Because Giannis and, and Bede are gonna go back and forth from each other, and we think I said this before: if Giannis could get the footwork down and just play back to the basket, get a jump shot that he could shoot a little bit, get a post fade, shoot a little bit, get a hook shot he can make consistently, Giannis would be a dog.
1: And yeah. let me and you know I said this I said this just last segment right? The Hawks have taken. Uh 13, 16, 19, 23s. And yeah, they've been terrible from three because Trey Young is only shooting one for eight. But they've only taken 23s, and eight of them have been taken by Trey Young. Bogdanovich has taken three, Hoerder has taken three, and Gallo's taken five. So they are actually scoring from the field. They are not just shooting threes. But then, you know, and, and again, like you said, they've got scoring across the board. Bogdanovich has not had a great game. And Trey Young has had a terrible shooting game in that he's two for 16. And if you told me that in game seven, Trey Young would shoot two for 16, I don't think anybody would put their money on the Hawks winning the game right now. Right? But they are. And I want to bring this up. I have a very big problem with the fact that Ben Simmons has only taken four shots this whole game. Ben Simmons is two for four with four points and 12 assists. And, yeah, he's got 12 assists and eight rebounds. But he's got four points. He's played 26 minutes, and he's only shot four times from the field. Of course, he hasn't taken a three. He's two for four from the field. He has the least amount of (laughs) shots of any of the starters, okay? Curry's five for eight and Bede's eight for 14. And Tobias Harris is five for 16. Tobias Harris, okay, Steph Curry has shot from three-point land the same amount that Ben Simmons has shot the whole game. And Uh, I have a problem with that because you're supposed to be the the 1A. It's supposed to be Embiid and Simmons. Embiid and Simmons.
0: Nah, it's It's Embiid and Curry. It's Embiid and Curry. Because Curry is playing like his brother right now. And and that's what Embiid needs. You got to take the pressure off Embiid. Embiid, the the reason why the Houston Rockets that went back-to-back worked so much, worked so much better, and this is what these Sixers reminded me of, in a way, like, you remove Ben Simmons. Remove Ben Simmons, I guess you'll put Maxie there, right? So you have kind of a Ken, Kenny Smith type of point guard now, right? The reason why that Houston Rockets team worked so well is because the shooters took so much pressure off of King. Mm -hmm. If your point guard can't shoot and he's just driving to the rack, he's taking away space from your best low post threat. And even even though he's not driving to the rack, he's still just taking up space on the court. Ben Simmons needs to shoot the ball. I don't care if he shoots air balls. I don't care if he shoots one for 20. You have to shoot the ball. Cause at a it's at a point in time where, like, yo, we was getting on Markel Folks because of his shooting for him, because he had stuff going on. Markel Folks will shoot the skin off the ball now in Orlando. Ben Simmons, what's wrong with you? Watching I don't, don't want to
1: hear, I don't want to hear not one more person. Talk to me about how Ben Simmons is one of the best guards, let alone point guards in the NBA. I don't want to hear it no more. I Stop hear it either. his name up. I don't want to hear it either. The man's a bump. The man is a bump. Bumsies. Okay. The, the, the and, and don't get me wrong, the man can go off at 30 and the man throws the man's a good. You know what he is? He's a game manager. That's what he is. He is a really, really good game manager. But guess what? At this point, I'll take 30-something-year-old Ray John Rondo over Ben Simmons. At this point, I'll take 30-something-year-old, back when he was with the Lakers, Derek Fisher over Ben Simmons. I'll even take, and everybody who's listened to this show has heard me throw complete shade at them, I would rather take Darren Williams and Devin Harris before I take Ben Simmons. And I'm not even talking about Devin Harris when he was in Dallas or Darren Williams when he was with the Jazz. I'm talking
0: about you talking
1: about Nets. You talking about Nets versions? I still take them over Ben Simmons. I'm sorry. I'm tired of people talking about Ben Simmons like he's this great point guard. He's not.
0: Oh man, like I don't understand like the hype.
1: And the worst part about it is somebody gonna trade for him and somebody gonna get Philly a number one pick and they are gonna be stupid
0: they gonna and Philly's gonna keep trusting process. They're gonna keep they're gonna keep trusting process, and it's gonna be at a point where Joel and Embiid's gonna be at a crossroads in his career. Like y'all really not doing anything for me. Like this team currently constructed is the best Philly team that Embiid has had since being there.
1: Boy is six ha- foot eleven, twenty four years old, can't shoot the ball.
0: You have a former defensive player of the year and probably a hall of fame center as your backup in Dwight Howard. You have probably one of the best playoff shooters at some point in time, sometimes in Danny green, you have a Curry on your team. Tobias Harris is there. (laughs) Ben Simmons is just messing up the flow of everything. So if I had to pick somebody to go, it would definitely be Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons just has to go.
1: And you know what? You don't realize how terrible, how terrible the 2016 draft was now that I'm really looking at it. But let me tell you something. Uh, Sorry, Philly, who took Ben Simmons after one year at LSU, and I'm sorry. If anybody, if anybody in the NBA should be the poster boy for people who should not be one and done in college, it's Ben Simmons.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Okay, but let me ask you a question, Dre. Would you rather mm-hmm. have taken Jalen Brown at this point if you're Philadelphia? Yeah, I'm gonna take Jalen Brown bef- instead of Ben Simmons anyway. Would you think Philly be happier with the number seven pick from that draft, Jamal Murray, Pfft, over bro, Ben Simmons?
0: If Jamal Murray is playing with Joel Embiid, them Sixers is in the finals. If if you take Jamal Murray. And what he did, these what he's been doing since he's been in the league, and put him where Ben Simmons is at, give him the same team currently constructed. Philly is washing most most of these playoffs.
1: Would you? The rather, Hawks don't have a chance. Would you rather? I know he's not necessarily a guard, but would uh, you rather have the number eleven pick in that draft, DeMontis Sabonis?
0: Not playing behind him Embiid, no.
1: Or would you rather not playing have with be number- no? Or let's talk about the number twenty pick in that draft. Would you rather have Claris Levert over Ben Simmons? I mean, when you really think about it, the twenty sixteen draft was kind of trash, right? Mm-hmm. Because the best players to come out of that gap, out of that draft, are the players that I've named. I mean, obviously you had Pascal Siakam way down there with the twenty seventh pick, right. um, and you had some good bench players who are still in the NBA, mm-hmm. um, such as uh, B- Buddy Hield. And, and Chris Dunn and, 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 and other Pletorian prints and things like that who are still in the NBA. but there, wow. there were really no star players outside of, in my opinion, Jalen Brown, Jamal Murray, Sabonis, and, and Clarice LeVert, and then now obviously Pascal Siakam. But to think that Ben Simmons is the number one pick of that draft, I honestly have to think we have to start putting Ben Simmons in the same conversation. While he may be the best of the busts, I honestly think he has to be one of the worst number one picks.
0: I'm not going to say the worst number one pick. Well, because... he's probably the
1: best of the worst, but he has to be in that conversation as a number one pick that makes you scratch your head four years later. Four years, almost five years later, Drake. would you, if you went back and did the 2016 draft, would you take Ben Simmons number one?
0: I don't think I would. and and But of the picks that you mentioned, Yeah, uh, a Jalen Brown, a Jamal Murray. Most definitely, if you look at how Philly is constructed in general, you can see these type of players fitting. I just don't like.
1: Top five picks in that draft were Ben Simmons, Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brown, Drodgen Vendor, and Chris Dunn. Ingram. Like, like Ingram.
0: (laughs) Imagine if Philly would have got Ingram. Ingram was the number two pick. It would be no need. It, listen, the way Ingram is playing now, like there would have been no need for a. a to, okay, so you have Ingram, you have Tobias Harris, you have a some off guard. Philly is still a monster team.
1: And the like, next year, Philly picked Markel Fultz because they got the number one pick in that draft as well.
0: So they would have got what? In, so in the twenty seventeen draft, of Fultz, they would have they James and have Zoe.
1: Tatum, De'Aaron Fox, um. You know,
0: imagine Donovan Mitchell. Imagine Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown with Joel Embiid. Don, imagine Donovan Mitchell with Joel Donovan Mitchell,
1: (laughs) Brandon Ingram, and Joel Embiid. The the 2016 and the 2017 draft were Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz. And to me, while Ben Simmons still much better than Markel Fultz. Though I'm starting to see some things out of Markel Fultz in Orlando that I like better out of Ben Simmons in, in Philly, you uh-huh. know, now that he's gotten through his troubles, right? Yeah. Um, and I get it on paper, six foot eleven point guard, what great wingspan? What traditional can get rebounds, can 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 throw assists like ain't nobody else. Oh my god. And I'm sure they looked at it and said, Oh my god, this is Magic Johnson all over again. Six foot eleven at point guard. I'm sorry.
0: The problem, the problem with that, the whole magic comparison, at least Magic wasn't afraid to shoot the ball. Right. So Magic wasn't afraid to shoot the ball.
1: Magic would not have only taken four shots in a game seven of an East uh, of a conference finals. Yeah. In the third quarter, by and again, I'm gonna say this so it doesn't get lost in tape. Uh-huh. At the end of the third quarter, in game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. Ben Simmons, who's supposed to be a star of that team, has taken a total of four shots. And yeah. the Philadelphia 76 is a loser.
0: It's unbelievable. Tell me a star
1: player. Tell me a star player on any team that would have only taken four shots in a conference finals game seven right. by the end of the third quarter.
0: I mean, and if we're looking now, like, you know, Ben Simmons still has four points, 12 assists eight rebounds, right? But Philly is up four. No, they're up. Yeah, they're up four um, with 746 left, right? This will come down to I'm not even worried about the Sixers now. This will come down to if one of these Hawks players just start going off. Right now, Philly is holding them down. They're kind of like, all right. And but, equal,
1: Trey Young hasn't got off,
0: Right. And they've, you know, subdued Trey Young for the most part. Now, just to transition into something, talk about subduing, right? Can we talk about Mark Cuban and the way he's running he runs his teams, right? He is the Jerry Jones of basketball. Let's not sugarcoat it. He's the Jerry Jones of basketball. And when you think about it, his hand is always in the pot. And he kind of, like, he kisses the ass of his superstar players. Dirk, deservedly so. And now Luca. Now it's to a point where his hand is probably too much into the jar to where Donnie Nelson is gone. Rick Carlisle, the man who brought you your ring, gone. And the funny thing about Rick Carlisle is the fact that he is walking away from a once in a generational talent. Do you? He walked away. He didn't get fired. Rick Carlisle has two years left on his deal, had two years left on his deal. He walked away and basically said, I look forward to other coaching opportunities. From the outside looking in, with all this dysfunction, happen, dysfunction happening, how do you. Look at the map, the Dallas Mavericks team, and and take them seriously. Be-
1: so, oh, there you go. <laughs> sorry about that. Um. So, what a lot of people and people have been obviously talking about because the sexy story is, oh, there's issues with Carlisle and Luca and all this other stuff and whatever, whatever. Donnie Nelson, long time president of basketball operations, and general manager of that team, and the son of legendary coach Don Nelson, Mm -hmm. okay, um, left the team. And that man literally discovered Luka Doncic. Without that man, there is no Luka Doncic. There is no um, Dirk Nowitzki in in Dallas without without Donnie Nelson. Um, Rick Carlisle, one of the best coaches, one of the best coaches who does not get his flowers, as he should, in the NBA, uh, left that team. And a lot of it is because apparently of a man in the front office by the name of Harbolos Volgaris. And I know I'm butchering that name.
0: Yeah, you might. Um,
1: <laughs> and, and he works, I guess, in like analytics and, and things like that. Um, and there's a lot, of, a lot of issues there. Apparently, one of the rumors going around um, is that he's kind of like this shadow GM. And when Donnie Nelson left, Rick Carlisle was like, I I don't want to have to work for this guy with this guy probably being the the one kind of calling the shots without calling the shots. Um, There's reports that um, Bob O'Garris was behind the decision to start Bobon in the playoffs in what sounded like a a you better start Bobon or else type of situation. Mm -hmm. And uh, Rick Carlisle is not the type of coach who's going to put up with that crap. Mm Um. You know, I I don't want to sit here and talk bad about Mark Cuban because Mark Cuban has done a lot of great things, and I think Mark Cuban is a really good GM. I think in the difference mm-hmm. – the difference between him and Jerry Jones that Mark Cuban doesn't think he knows everything about basketball. Yeah. I think if you took Mark – Mark Cuban is Jerry Jones in the fact that he is willing to spend anything he has to spend and do whatever he has to do to get a championship in Dallas. But really yeah. – to me, the Jerry Jones of the NBA is, is um, Dolan, Thinks he knows uh, everything about basketball, right? Um, yeah, we, we can. Ha- I think we can have two. Right. Um, in his desire to win and desire to do everything he can, yes, Mark Cuban can be seen as a Jerry Jones type. But Mark Cuban mm-hmm. has always let the people who know more about basketball do the basketball things. Right. He's never been the overbearing type of owner that doesn't let them do what they need to do. But this is becoming a problem now because you have Christos Porzingis who said he is unhappy there. You've now had a Hall of Fame coach leave. You've had a Hall of Fame president of basketball operations leave. Um, Luca has said that he wants to sign a Supermax there. So is the problem Luca? Is the problem something in the front office? Uh-huh. And if the problem is Luca, you're going to have a hard time getting people to come and play with Luca if Luca's the problem. And Luka could end up having a career a lot like Dirk Nowitzki, though there are two different types of personalities where they can go a very long time without ever winning a championship. Now, speaking of Dirk Nowitzki, Dirk has been brought back into the fold and will be helping to figure out who the new coach will be and and things like that. And that's one thing I really love about Cuban. He he runs his team like a family. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, we got to figure out what the real problem is. And I think, this is probably the biggest story of the NBA offseason. Is you know, what's the real story going on in, in um uh, in Dallas? Now, there's rumors that again, Kristoffski get traded. There's rumors. Well, Luca said he's gonna sign the supermax, but could Luka leave? You know, and already I've heard already I've heard Nick fans talking about oh Luca coming to New York. Stop, Stop it. Stop,
0: Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Luke is coming nowhere near this state. Let's relax. And I even heard that, and I think Tim Hardaway Sr. said it, that Dallas originally only wanted Tim Hardaway. (laughs) Right. Tim Hardaway Jr. and not Porzingis, which if you look at how everything is unfolding now, I could kind of understand why. And I'm sorry,
1: Chris, that's Porzingis got to stop thinking. I get it. But you got to stop thinking you're this great player because you're good. You're a serviceable piece. You're still a piece that could be a good piece on a good team. You're a guy who could be a number three option, but you're not a number two. You're not a number one. You're not. And you got to stop thinking that you are. Okay. Porzingis is good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Don't get me wrong. He has a lot of skills that a lot of players don't have. You could be a – Chris Porzingis could have been a number one on a bad team. Like the Knicks. Right, but on a good team, at best, you're a 2A, maybe a 3. You know, you are the third option. You are the second best option behind a really, really great player. Um, But Luca's skill set and Porzingis' skill set are also very much similar. I I find it hard. See, the difference between Dirk, the reason why Dirk and Luca worked for that last year, besides the fact that Dirk was, like, at that point, like, the old veteran who was just like, I just got, I'm just going to play one more year with Luca. Right. But even why I think Luca and Dirk would have worked in Dirk's prime mm-hmm. is because Dirk knew his role as a player. He knew if Luca's going to drive, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to get that three if he's got to pop out. Dirk could also come inside, get the pass from Luca and work on the inside. Chris Dabbs don't know how to do that. Chris Dabbs thinks he's Luca when he's not Luca. Right. And Chris yeah. Depp was never a great post player, as much as he should have been. And that's part of that European style of basketball. What Luka needs, and I heard one interesting rumor, because we spoke about this in our private chat, apparently mm. uh, the family of Zion Williamson is not happy with him in New Orleans. Ugh. I have heard one rumor in certain NBA circles that could Zion end up in Dallas? hmm now that would be a very interesting pairing because it would give you a legitimate inside presence to go with someone. You know, I would I would have loved to have seen Luca play with someone as you brought up, someone like Dream, someone like Hakeem. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to see Luca play with somebody like a Shaq. Luca would have been great with someone like a Yao Ming. Mm-hmm. Give them those legitimate back to the basket centers. You put Luca in Phoenix. With, with Booker and Aiden, God, that'd be an ungodly team. Yeah, um, that'd be too
0: much to deal with.
1: But it, it, it's it's tough, I think. And Luca's still young. Luca's still finding himself. But yeah. there's a lot that we don't know about what's going on in Dallas. I'm gonna be very interested to see how this turns out. Because um, yeah. it also seems that there's some people who have positions that maybe they shouldn't be having, or have the ears of people that maybe they don't have the expertise to have the ear of.
0: Absolutely. I, I, I definitely agree with you when it comes to that. So, but I definitely want to bring that topic back up when we have, you know, when we have um, the rest of the crew on board, but yeah, we'll definitely leave it at that. So shout outs to the job network and the guy who's riding the motorcycle outside in the street. But the Jabba Tears Network, Talk of Champions, Two and a Half rows. Us at the Your Sports Show, Sazon Talks, Sazon Sessions, Brooklyn BS, Tavia's Tea Time, the Jabba Tears Podcast, and everything, Mr. Black Show, all that. Jabba Slam is July 31st. Can't wait. Can't wait. More details will be coming out really soon. Just bear with us. It, well, man, it, if you ain't lining really up to buy
1: tickets after that main event announcement, like, yeah. what you waiting for?
0: Yeah. you Listen, you're going to see some things, and it, it, it's going to be great. I guarantee it. I should add the Charles Broccoli thing there, right? <laughs> the, the Charles Broccoli guarantee sounds. <laughs>
1: Ernie, well, Ernie, I tell you, I'm buying tickets to Java Slam 100%. <laughs> Ernie, Ernie, I love it. Kobe Bryant, Shaquille <laughs> O'Neal. I love yeah. it, Ernie. In an update, three minutes and 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Hawks
0: up by 88-87. Listen, by the time you listen to the show, y'all, it might be some slant, slant you might, out you might be out at
1: Milwaukee,
0: yeah, Hawks, Milwaukee. It. Who would have thought Atlanta and possibly Milwaukee in the conference finals? And one of them, to the think we might have a finals in Atlanta and Phoenix, or Atlanta and L.A. Hopefully not wrong. I, I,
1: I think it's going to be Phoenix, 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 and either Atlanta or I. I definitely think it's going to be Phoenix, but yeah. it's going to be interesting because once LA gets kicked out, you will no longer have. Even though Atlanta is a major meet, a major hub of media, obviously, but when you mm. think about like the major hot spots of sports, people mm. still don't kind of see Atlanta there, even though they are. Don't get me wrong, Atlanta sports mm-hmm. fans are on a whole nother level. Um, but imagine if it's Milwaukee and Phoenix, like. I almost feel like it'll be one of those finals that you'll be low-rated because, unfortunately, people don't watch unless it's a big media market. You know, the NBA's kind of hoping it's Atlanta because they're like, at least we have a media market in Atlanta.
0: Right. But for BK Matt, for the head of your sports show table, 7K Tay, a.k.a. Queen Tay, for the voice of a generation, Pete Rosado, it is your boy, Big Baby, a.k.a. Dre Dallas, signing off. Peace.